0: All right. Good morning. We're at uh, lesson two now, on our teaching, on making homework, and we're going to finish lesson two this morning, moving on to lesson three next week. So if you bring your notes, go ahead and take it back out. I think there's a couple more in the back. There's all gone. All right. So we're going to look at uh, point number two. We talked about point number one, and that's teaching with. passion, and then we moved on to teach with persistence, and uh, this is letter B of uh, teaching with persistence. Letter A was uh, teach the truth, and we talked about that, and we talked about uh, four different uh, strategies you could do, or you could uh, keep in your mind, speaking of uh, a family altar or a devotion, family devotion. And it's not in your notes, so if you want to write it down, is <clears throat> set a time. Set a time. Uh, and then start simple, maybe in the book of Proverbs. And then grow with your children. So as your children grow, uh, your teaching will grow, all right? So Noah's ark and the lion's den with Daniel, maybe a four year old would pretend he's a lion, but a 14 year old will not do that. So <clears throat> you'll have to change maybe your. Uh, approach. And then lastly on that is emphasis, emphasize on application. I've learned that going to uh, the Bible college I went to. Something that really got uh, uh, put in my heart and pressed in my heart is the Bible is a relevant book for everyday life. And Christianity is a life to be lived. Alright? And scripture teaches us that the wise men is a doer of the work. And so uh, any truth in Scripture that is taught us, whether it be historical or whether it be poetic or whether it be in, in theory or in philosophy or the way we think, it's teaching us how should we think. Eventually, they all have to come to a point of reality in the sense of that it has to be lived. All right, we think about soul winning. There's the teaching in Scripture that as a Christian, we are witnesses. There's different ways you could do that. The Scripture gives us different ways you could do that in a crowd. You could do that individually. And you've seen in our church, there's different ways even preachers approach uh, leading somebody to the Lord. We have so many different preachers that come and give us uh, maybe their preferences on how to do it. But the truth remains that a Christian should shared the gospel with another Christian. So eventually, all of that teaching, all of that theory, all of that, uh, I got it in my head, has to come out in your life. Eventually, you have to go witness. That's the Bible. That has to be the Bible. And that's number four. I like that. Emphasize the application. Emphasize the application. It's applicable. It has to be lived in our lives. And I try to preach, and when I preach, I preach it where you can use it, and you can have practicality, and you can do what I'm saying. You can do what I'm saying. The Bible is no good, and wisdom is no good if it's not exercised. It has to be done. Eventually, it has to come to the reality of life. And so I'm hoping that when you're teaching your children, teach them from a very young age, When you come across the idea of obedience, what does that mean? That means to take the trash out. When daddy says, take the trash out. That means, okay, I'm going to make that practical. What does it mean to obey? All right? That means when daddy says, it's time for bed, it's time for bed. See how those practical things happen? Because the Bible doesn't tell you when your kids should go to bed. You have to do that. You have to make the principle of obedience practical in their life. They have to know, what does it mean now then? You thought it's about obedience, what does that entail? How is that applicable to me and how should I do that? And so, I really like that. Now we go to point B, and it should be up there, post the truth. Post the truth, okay? Uh, Deuteronomy 6 instructs parents not to only teach the truth, but to post it as well. It's instructed in Israelite. Uh, the Israelites, to wear the posts of God's word visibly. Look at Deuteronomy. Uh, It's been our verses that we've been going back to. Deuteronomy chapter number 6 and verses 8 to 9. It says there, And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. So we see that uh, the scripture teaches us that the word of God has to be seen in a very, very, very literal way that it is physically seen, all right? You should have a Bible maybe somewhere. Uh, some people have a, a living room Bible. They have a Bible in the living room. You should have it posted somewhere in your, in your house. Uh, the word of God should be, should be seen by your children, all right? It should be a part of your decoration. Look at uh, uh some of the people still practice it today. I don't have it on there we go uh they actually literally do that they they have uh, the word of God, they put it on their head and they put it on their hand i I wouldn't suggest doing what they do uh but but at the same time you see the importance of it Orthodox jew. Uh, take this passage so seriously, se- seriously that literally bind God's Word on their arms and foreheads in letter boxes called uh, And So that's what you see this gentleman is doing. He's got the Word of God in his head and in his hands. God's Word is important. Our children uh, <clears throat> are able to discern the importance of God's Word by seeing it around our homes. Uh, Finally, uh, teach it with patience. So, teach it with patience. So, moving on to the third point, uh, teach it with patience. Teach with patience. So, post the word of God in your house some way, somehow. uh, Show them the word of God. Be it available with their eyes. They see the word of God, all right? Teach with patience. Uh, Point number three. When it comes to teaching our children... Ultimately, we have to wait for the Lord to work in their hearts. The spiritual fruit we long to see in their lives doesn't usually take place in a single moment. Uh, it takes place over the course of years as you faithfully, patiently obey the instruction of Ephesians 6.4. And look at Ephesians 6.4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and we'll break those two words down uh, as subpoints. Let's go ahead and pray before we continue. Lord, we come and we are humbled, Lord, to know that uh, uh, we're needy, and we want to know how uh, we should parent our children and how we should we instruct them. Lord, for those that maybe have grandchildren, uh, pray that they uh, would continue to support uh, their children as they raise their children, and Lord, to be an influence uh for good and an example uh, for the grandchildren lord bless us today as we continue looking at your word and help us to glean truth that is something that we could apply lord in our lives help us to live what we've been l- learning lord in jesus name amen and amen Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the lord so uh Point number A here is nurture. In your blank there, letter A, nurture. What does that mean? It means to bring them up, means to nurture to maturity. This isn't a once a week effort, but a constant investment. As with physical nourishment, it must be consistent. Just as your children will not receive sufficient physical nourishment through a buffet once a month, no matter how healthy balanced, or delicious that meal may be. So she cannot receive sufficient spiritual nourishment by haphazard efforts or irregular times of training. You have to do it consistently every day. Every day. It's hard work. Every day, uh, nurturing our children should be a part of our life. Every day single day of it, all right? As powerful as family devotions are, they're not the only times you will share God's word with your children. That's a special time you could do that, but it's not the only time. Sometime it's going to be when you're just sitting on the couch or running errands with your kids or listening to them tell you about their day before bed. It may be going into their rooms each evening and praying with them. Now, my wife does that, almost religious-like. She will tuck them in. That's the word in our home. They call it, Mom, can you tuck us in? Dad doesn't do that particularly, and maybe I should, but I don't. But what I do is some of the other things, I will take them out if I'm going to do some kind of errand. I'm going to go buy some groceries, and so what I do is I'll take one of them with me, and we'll go out. And as the children are getting older, I see that that has been profitable because they find that they have a one-on-one time with me and they speak their mind a little bit readily. And we've talked about some good things in the car, praise the Lord, because uh, anywhere you're living in this area, you know, anywhere you have to go, it takes you about 20, 30 minutes to get there. So that's an hour of time that uh, you could have with your children on the car, and as, as you talk to them and as they talk to you. And again, you have to be welcoming to your children. Just because you do that now, I did it, Pastor, but they didn't say anything. Well, you have to be welcoming. They have to know you could, they could talk to you. And you have to show them that they're allowed to talk to you. And they you have to invite that environment that they're willing to talk to you. All right? Don't shut them down every time. And when they're talking to you at home and it seems like it's the... Uh, Uh, an unopportune time, you say, this is not the right time, and you're going to scold them and say, no, I don't want to listen to you. Go away. I'm busy. Well, you keep doing that, you're setting up a precedence in their mind that mom and dad don't have time for me. Okay? Whether you feel like you're validated because what you're doing at the time is probably highly important, and I understand that. Well, just like anything that's important in your life, you have to prioritize them because we don't have enough time in the day to do everything that we need to do. This just does not going to happen because life is short. Life is but a beaver. And so, uh, and some of you have talked about this. Uh, you have goals and aspirations and desires. Uh, one day I want to get this part of our house fixed and done. And now it's 10 years past. Now it's 20 years past and it still needs to be done. And then a whole lot of things happen in your life. And so you have to learn to prioritize your time. You're not going to have enough time to do everything you feel like you need to do. And if you're waiting for time to happen to you to do this, what I'm talking about, ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. You have to allocate time for this. You have to put aside other unimportant things. And say they're not as important as training my children at this time in my life. I'm going to prioritize this. I'm going to put this in the first front. When I have the energy and I have the mind and I can do it. I'm going to put it right there. I'm not going to wait for this to just happen in happenstance. Oh, I had a day off today. Now I'm going to parent my kids. Because I had a day off all of a sudden today. Oh, COVID happened. Well, I hope you parent your kids during COVID. Because they were at your house a lot. But at any rate... You can't wait for time to just happen on your favor. It doesn't happen that way. You have to allocate time. You have to put aside time and say, I'm going to do this. Multitask. I know uh, some of us might not like that. We're very, very focused people. We just like to do one thing at one time. I'm I'm that way, but I'm learning. I have to multitask enough uh, so that I can get important things done. I have to multitask my My schedule has to be so that it's a bit rigid, so that I can touch the things that I need to touch that are important. And uh, so parenting your children uh, has to happen uh, in your life and it has to have importance. Look for moments to inject eternal truth into ordinary conversation. There's multitasking. There's multitasking I'm talking about. All right? Look for moments to inject eternal truth into ordinary conversations. Here's an example. Look at that amazing sunset. Isn't God powerful and creative? You did a great job in writing that research paper. God has gifted you with an ability to really think things through. I noticed how you stuck up for that kid other people were picking on. I'm so glad that you were able to do that and how you show kindness to other people. I'm glad. I'm excited about that for you. So stick those in there as you're talking to your children. Give Bible principles and truths as you're living your life. Let them learn from your life as well. Let them learn from your life as well. Some things are not taught. Some things are caught. They're just going to catch it. By you doing it over and over again, they will catch it. Here's a funny thing that just happened, and I don't know how to deal with it. But the two little kids, Philip and Mariah, are kissing each other on the lips. Too much, in my opinion. And yesterday, I was home, and, uh, and, and Mariah looked at me and says, Your daddy, I'm mommy. And I said, What is she saying? And then she pointed to Philip. Philip is daddy, I'm mommy. And they kissed in the lips. I didn't teach him that. But guess what? To be honest, we kiss in the lips at home. They see mommy and daddy kiss in the lips. So a little two-year-old caught that. So I don't know how to deal with that. Some of you may have advice. Let me know how to deal with this one. so they're going to catch some things you're doing, some of your habits, uh, some of your Bible reading habits. Uh, maybe they'll catch that you have coffee. Uh, maybe they'll catch that you'll have a little devotion you use, a uh, devotional book along with your Bible. They're going to catch them with those things and let them, if they're good things, let them catch you doing good things. Without, without, without telling them, okay, right now I'm about to do something amazing, kid. Pay attention. No, it just has to be a a normal routine of day. They need to see you caring for people. They need to see you praying with people. They need to see you praying for people. They need to see you doing good, kind deeds for other people. They need to see you help other people. They need to see you be a Christian. Bring them with you as you serve in church ministries and tell them how worthy God is of our service. Take them with you as you share the gospel with others and teach them how to lead someone to Christ. Very practical things. Very practical things and can be done at the same time. You should be going soul winning anyways. Why not bring your children with you? I love it when we go door to door with the kids and put the door hangers in. And so that's something practical that we could do as a family and we just do that. All right? Something fun. And they can enjoy it. And you find that when we do that sometimes, in Eden, there's places we could stop over later after we have done that. And it's fun for the kids, you know. After this, we'll get a snow cone at Dairy Queen. Let's go sit over there. And we'll find ourselves enjoying handing out gospel tracts and at the same time enjoying time together. I think most of us could do something like that, all right? Find something to do. Maybe similar to something like that. That's an example that we do. Uh, When we go to the fair, I like taking the kids to the fair. But at the same time, there's a lot of free things at the fair. So after we go and say, we're going to go to the booth and we're going to pass out gospel track. You have to be quiet and don't eat all the candy. Pastor Cole's giving away to everybody else. All right? Because Pastor Cole likes all those candies. And uh, my kid goes, yes, Pastor. They all looking at Pastor Cole and, and, and he's trying to say, no, this is for all the other people. But they'll eat it. But I tell them, hey, let's pass out a gospel track, and after about two hours here, let's go and look at the animals. And they're free, you know, to look at cows and uh, rabbits and such things and uh, maybe get them right on the Ferris wheel and go home, right? And so uh, do that maybe with your children. Find an avenue. Some of you go to the the nursing home and let your kids uh, play instruments, and teaching them how to serve, you know, in the nursing home. So that's kind of that's neat. Find things to do with your children and uh, get them uh, always seeing you doing uh, the Christian thing every day. Look at this. Find incentives that whet their appetite for wanting to learn the things you so desperately want them to learn. All right? Find incentives. Now, some might say, well, that's bribery. Now, bribery has a connotation of luring someone to do something wrong. So bribery is that. When you're luring somebody to do something wrong, you're bribing something to maybe get out of the particular law uh, that was uh, enforced. And in the Philippines, you know, at times, uh, things have to be bribed, and it is wrong. It's definitely wrong. But... Incentives are different. Incentives are, your idea is to help them do right. All right? So bribery is uh, a way to get them to do wrong. Incentives are a way to get them to do right. Incentives can be powerful motivators when they are used creatively and directed toward genuine areas of needed growth. Uh, So maybe your children like something particularly. And you can use that like that they have to motivate them to do something they particularly don't, write, don't like. So my kids probably like, I would know they like to play on the Nintendo Switch. But they don't particularly like to do their schoolwork. So I will use an incentive of the Switch, Nintendo Switch, and say, you can't play this week if mom is not satisfied with your, uh, with your academic uh, accomplishment this week. If you failed, you can't, uh, you can't play the switch at all this week. And so that has helped, and has helped them be motivated in doing things that are good for them, but necessarily don't want to. Talking about duty, all right? There's a lot of things we do uh, simply because it's the right thing to do, and at times we can't wait for us to be excited about it. It's just the right thing to do. We need to do them, all right? And our kids are no different, all right? Our kids are no different. Uh, they find ways to escape doing hard work, and they're looking for the easy way out, and uh, trying to find ways that they only do the things that they truly enjoy, and leave off the things that they don't like. All right, sounds like us, right? Adults, we do the same, and so duty uh, is needed to be taught, and so use some incentives to help to help them do that, and so. Uh, lastly, last point we got here is admonish, ad- admonition, all right? Look at Proverbs two six, Proverbs 22, and verse number six. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, train up means to dedicate yourself to inaugurate in it's a day-by-day process of leading your children in the way. It's starting them on the course of life that you pray they will remain faithful to their entire lives. So uh, admonishment is trying to get them on the right course. You're trying to teach them that this is the right way to take. This is the path to where God wants them to go. And so that is training, training up, okay? Uh Life character is developed through training in Scripture over time. It doesn't come suddenly. It doesn't come quickly. It is uh, something that you do a lot every day. And the earlier you start in their life, the better it is. The earlier you start training them, is the better it is. Don't wait until it's too late. All right, train them while they're young, because they're moldable, they're more uh, moldable, and they're more teachable when they're young, they will learn faster. Even in teaching people how to speak a different language, it's easier to teach somebody that's young compared to somebody that is old, because language is something that we don't even pay attention to, but the, the, the words we say, uh, the tongue memorizes the position the tongue needs to be in, and over time, as we speak and as we hear, we speak, our tongue develops that when we say that particular word, it will involuntarily already position itself to say that. Thus, somebody like me has a hard time speaking English. Because for 12 years of my life, I did not speak English. I was born speaking a different dialect. Okay? And so now you see that that's the, the hard thing about that is. Uh, so, <clears throat> when you're teaching, Anything important, do it young. Do it right away. Somebody said this, that uh, a child really has uh, everything in their mind and uh, their personality is developed between zero to five years old. Zero to five years old. That's when they're most teachable. That is when they're most moldable. And they're most, uh, uh, most, uh, that time is a very key time in your child training that you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss that time. Okay. Uh, by the time that they're teenagers, that's the start of the manifestations of your training when they were 0 to 5. By the time they hit teenage mark, that's when they're carrying themselves out what they've learned at home. By that time. So if you want to train them at that time, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Okay. So if you, if you have little children now, spend that time to train them at this time when they're young. It takes parents who is intentionally distilling and instilling truth in the hearts of their children. It takes nurture and admonition. Two facets of admonishing. The first one is positive. Teaching our children what is right, all right? There's two facets, two different sides of admonishing. Number one is the positive side. Teaching our children what is right. Look at 2 Timothy. It's in your notes. Look at 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto to God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So teach your children, as you admonish them, truth. Teach them truth, okay? The second facet of admonishment is negative. Is negative, all right? What is that? Teaching them Uh, what is not right, teaching them the things that are wrong, all right? This involves correcting and chastising them to turn them away from sinful actions and behavior, all right? And the Bible warns us to be simple concerning evil. You don't have to know the entire drug lord and how that works (laughs) to teach your children don't touch drugs, all right? You don't have to. But you need to know a little bit so that you can differentiate them between truth and error, all right? You have to teach your children discernment. And so they need to know what's right according to the Word of God and what's wrong according to the Word of God. And so muddied now, it's so muddy, Uh, it's it's so so, uh, unclear. It's so unclear in our day because our society is now calling good evil, The good things that God says, they're calling it evil. And the evil things that God declares, our society is saying, no, that's good. And so you have double work, parents. You have a lot of work in you to do that. And so standards come in. Standards come in. What would you allow to happen in your home? You have to have a standard on cable. I know most of us probably don't use that anymore. Some of you that are older than us probably use cable. Most of us use streaming devices now. We just need the internet and some streaming apps, as most of us use in our day. Uh, But at any rate, you have to have some standards of what is allowed to be viewed by your children and what influences are you going to allow to influence them aside from you. Aside from you. So the internet is a great influencer. All right? Phones are a great way for them to receive information. All right? And so you have to have some parameters with those devices and with the internet and how you want that portrayed in your home. And as they go out to school, if they go to school somewhere, you have to have that to pay attention to. What are they learning? Who's teaching them? What are they being taught? All right, they go to church. Well, they should be teaching them good things. I understand. And we try our best at here. But it is not our responsibility ultimately at the end. All right, it is yours. Make sure we're teaching your children what God says, correct? And so that's our view here in the church. Don't, uh, don't negate and don't uh, uh, forget that you all as the parent are responsible for the nur- nurturing and the admonishing of your children. We are to help you. We are to help you. And so make sure that the Sunday school classes they're at, ask your children now. I do the same thing. What did you learn in Sunday school today? I don't do it all the time, but once in a blue moon, what did you learn? Uh, I probably should do it more often. Uh, what did you learn at junior church? A lot of times, uh, some of the teachers have done such a good job that I don't have to ask. My children come up to me and say, did you know this is what we did? And so I like that. That's great. All right? This is what we learn in Sunday school. This is what we did. And so that's a good thing. But be involved in the influences coming Into their life. Because those influences will teach them what is good and what is right as well. And if the society that pumps those influences are messed up, they're not in line with the truth, then you're going to have problems. And so be very, very mindful and be very, very uh, involved in what's going on with your children. Proverbs 29 and verse number 17. It says, correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. <laughs> that is so true. I didn't know that until I had my own kids. But that verse is so true. A lot of your parents, and I have to be careful, I don't want to say things in the internet because I don't know how people view it. If you need any kind of question more... More in depth, I would like to teach you on a private setting as a couple. I don't reveal those things uh, because of the world and how they can use it against us. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. But that verse is so true. If you do what it says, correct thy son and define that. What does that mean? What does correction mean? The Bible is not silent with correction. The Bible is very clear on the principle of correction. In fact, if you want to be a healthy, maturing Christian, we talked about that correction should be a part of your Christian life. We look at correction sometimes with a negative approach already. And it's not. It's not always negative. All right? It has some positive to it. Now, a lot of times when you're being corrected, it's because you're doing something wrong. The positive side of correction is correction comes in and lets you know you're doing something wrong. And then it will proceed to help you with its buddy, instruction. And it will remind you, hey, this is the right way. Sorry, you did the wrong thing. This is the right way. All right? As you get that, then the correction helps you go back to the right direction. And so correction is positive. Don't always look at it as a negative thing. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. At times, ill behavior or undesirable behavior of children at home is left with tolerance. We just leave it alone. We just let it be. That's the way that kid is. Well, maybe not. Have you tried to correct it? Have you tried some way? According to scripture, biblical correction. Have you applied biblical correction to that situation? To that particular kid, to that particular behavior? Before you tell me, no, it's just the way the kid is. No, it might not be. It might be you're not following what the Bible says to correct them. Well, I don't want to correct them because it'll hurt them. Where did you get that from? Where's that idea from? Who taught you that? Where did you hear that? Oh, I need to be a friend to them. Oh, yeah, that's good. But you're also the authority. And the authority is the one that is given the responsibility to correct. And so correct the misbehavior. Because if you don't correct the misbehavior, it will drive you up the wall. And it will not stop without correction. It will happen and happen and happen. you say, I can't believe this kid. I can't believe you. Stop it. Do something to stop the behavior. Don't look at the kid and say, I can't believe you. The kid's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm loving what I'm doing. (laughs) Instruct the kid. Correct the behavior of the kid. You know when the kid running around? Don't ignore it. They're going to keep running around. Stop them kindly. As if you were the kid yourself being talked to. Stop the kid and say, hey, I know your dad. And your dad doesn't want you running. And if you run again, I will tell you that. You know, some people in our church have done that with me and my children. And I think that works better than letting my children just do whatever they want. I'm using my children. I can't use anybody else's children because I don't want to offend anybody else. Some people are offended for me using my children too much. I don't know what to do with you guys. (laughs) I'm just being honest. I'm just trying to be as transparent as I possibly can. Right? Right? My children are children and they need correction. Right? So in conclusion, be passionately in love with Jesus yourself as a parent. Be passionately in love with Jesus. Love God yourself because your love for God is going to get caught by your children. You cannot fake true love with your God. You cannot fake it. You cannot fake that one. The real Christian that really loved God, it will show. It will definitely show. And as it shows, your kids will catch and say, oh, my dad or my mom loves God. And that would be a teaching moment for them, and they have to now have a decision to make. Persistently teach your children the ways of God. Don't let happenstance be their teacher. Don't let just things happen to them. Be purposeful and teach them the ways of God. And then lastly, be patient. Be patient. God is working on me. I'm still a work on progress. That means I'm not going to be mature right now. But be happy when they show signs of improvement. Show signs of improvement. All right, maybe they were having difficulties in this area. Maybe they showed a little sign of improvement. They changed a little bit. Be happy with the little change because they're going the right direction. A lot of us are too, uh, 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 our society doesn't help us to be so picky. We're very picky people. Have you ever gone to the restaurant lately? I don't know how, how they do it. I don't know how to do it to make people happy. I don't like the cup like that. I want my cup this way, and then I want it with a saucer. And then can you put an orange in that? And can I get it warm? And then give me a couple of eyes over here. And that is just one person with one drink, for crying out loud. That's not even the order yet. That's just their preference on how they want to drink their drink. Wow. I don't want to start a restaurant. <laughs> if that's going to be the case, to make people happy. And we bring that same particularity and the same approach in the church house, and we bring it to our home. And we have no patience for people. They're not doing it the way I want it done. Get over it, because it's not going to get done the way you want it done, ever. See? See? That's a hard thing for Americans because the whole world around us in society says, make the customer happy, whatever, however, because we want their money. And as a Christian, God says, deny yourself. What an opposite truth from over here to over here. And you wonder why we have a problem when Bible truth is teach. Because God says, it ain't about you. We say, it's all about you. God says no. We say yes. You have to choose, Christian, in a society that pumps that principle and mentality in your head. Because if somebody has accustomed themselves to being this way, oh my, are they going to have a hard time to do it this way. And so when God looks at us as Christian, we say, God says, be defrauded. And we say, "No, I have rights. I don't need to be defrauded. I have rights." And so that's up to you. Uh, that's the scripture. That's the truth of the Word of God. Diabolically opposed to some of the mindset that is in our society. And so child reeling is the same way. Be careful, parents, that you're not children. You're not raising children to be a brat. But well, they have to have these food. And this food has to be the right. Okay, you have preferences of what food to eat. But be very careful now. If God calls them to be a missionary. And they're going to go to a country where they're not going to get the organic. How are they going to do? Are you setting them up for failure? I'm just giving you practical ideas in your head. Alright, if you're going to set them up so much that it has to be so particular. It has to be so particular and so to be so particular, they're going to have a hard time living with a world that doesn't think like them, that doesn't do it the way they do it, and they have a hard time relating to the rest of the world. And they're going to have a hard time when God says, be all things to all men, so that by some, you can win some of them. Servanthood is deferring always to people, preparing them above yourselves. And when we're teaching our children, your preference matter, and they do. I I do believe in some of those things over there. They have to be balanced. They have to be balanced over here. I do like that I can choose uh, the things that I choose for us. I love that part. But when God overrides those choices and say, no, because I want you to reach these people here, and if you keep doing this way, you're not going to be able to reach them. And my glory is is more important than your preference. And so can you change a little bit of that so you can reach these people? And I have a choice to be used by God Almighty or to stay isolated from his working in my life. Be careful because that's how philosophy and that's how training and that's how some of our mindset has become. And we don't even see How is opposite from the scripture. So pay attention. How are you thinking today, parents? How are you raising your children today, parents? Is it according to the word of God? Or is it just you're doing it yourself? Proverbs 41, Proverbs 4, 1 and 2, and we're done. Hear ye children the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. There's a lot of good things in this Bible. And there's a lot of good things that we can train and teach our children. And I encourage you to do that. Don't let the world teach them. Don't let the world's philosophy creep in unawares. Be observant. Be on purpose. Be persistent. Be passionate. And patience. Let God do the work that you can. not All right? Let's pray. Lord, bless as we learn what it means, Lord, to teach our children the eternal truths from your word. Help us to be passionate, help us to be persistent, and help us to be patient. Guide us, help us. Lord, at times we have failed. Lord, help us not to be wallowing in self-pity. Help us to rise up, and you give us a chance again to correct the mistakes, help us to correct them, and help us to do what we have, and do it for your glory. And help us, in Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.